One of the great themes of the book of 2 Samuel is the kingdom of God. And we have to decide as individuals which king and kingdom are we going to serve. As we look at the life of David, as we look at the kingdom of God, we'll be able to learn great lessons for ourselves about committing to King Jesus and to the priorities of his kingdom. We'll look at that more today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. David is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And your identity in Jesus Christ is such a huge thing. You belong to a king and a kingdom who sees you differently. You say, but does he really, Pastor Michael? Does he really see me that way? Well, he did choose you to be part of his kingdom for how long? Apparently, he wants to be with you because he chose you to be part of his kingdom. That's pretty cool. So David says, Oh, your beauty, O Israel, is slain on your high places. How the mighty have fallen. You know, this whole thing about the evil spirit coming into Saul's life is a perplexing one because it says it was an evil spirit from the Lord. How many of you have wrestled with that text? (laughs) If you haven't, you might want to go back and study it because theologians wrestle with it. How could it be an evil spirit from the Lord? What in the world's going on there? Well, who allowed Satan to get at Job? God. Who sent a a minister of Satan to buffet Paul? God. You mean to say that even Satan in some way gets used by by God for God's purposes? Yeah. Can I figure out every angle of that? No. Do I get it all? Nope. Do I ask for it? Nope. (laughs) Here's a question. Why do you think God would have done that in Saul's life? If, If you think positively, do you think that maybe it was God trying to say to Saul, I'm gonna let something pretty terrible happen to you spiritually, And I'm going to see, and of course I'm putting this in human terms, I'm going to see if you'll cry out to me. I'm going to see if when this thorn in your flesh comes and spiritual darkness hovers over your life, if you'll cry out to me. What was Saul's biggest problem? Self-exaltation, trying to do things his way. Disobedience to God. He would not follow through on the word of God. He lived in doubt. Paul, who asked for that thorn in the flesh to be taken away, you can write down 2 Corinthians 12, 7. He said the reason it came to his life in the first place was to keep him from exalting himself, which is part of what God does. Now the mighty have fallen. Just think for a second. How many many mighty men and women have gone down over the years? I'm talking about moral failures, significant crossroads where a huge blunder was made. How many mighty men and women have fallen? 
You know, we hear Christians all the time say, I fell away. What does that mean? It means I'm not following God anymore. I'm not going to church anymore. I fell away. How many people do you think are driving out in Corona today that have fallen away? For, for varied reasons. They're, they're out there. They're hurting. There's one, uh, Isaiah 14, turn to your right, Isaiah chapter 14, who is in the fall business. I think we all know who he is. His name is Satan, chapter 14 of Isaiah. He's in the fall business. What do I mean by that? Genesis chapter 3, theologians call the fall chapter. Why? Because Eve was hanging out by the tree. Satan, through the serpent, beguiled her. Isaiah 14. She partook of the fruit. And Adam was there. And Adam was like, oh, okay. This sounds like a pretty good plan. <laughs> he partook of the fruit. And they fell. How the mighty have fallen. What, what did they lack in the garden? Nothing. But they fell. Look at Isaiah 14. This is really interesting. It says, When the Lord, 14.1, will have compassion on Jacob or Israel, and again choose Israel, and settle them in their own land, then strangers will join them and attach themselves to the house of Jacob. This has last day's connotations. The peoples will take them along and bring them to their place and the house of Israel will possess them as an inheritance in the land of the Lord as male servants and female servants and they will take their captors captive and will rule over their oppressors. And it will be in the day when the Lord gives you rest from your pain and turmoil and harsh service in which you have been enslaved that you will take up a taunt against the king of Babylon who Nebuchadnezzar was obviously a, a big part of their pain as he sacked Jerusalem and say, how the oppressor has ceased, how fury has ceased. The Lord has broken the staff of the wicked, the scepter of the rulers, which used to strike the peoples in fury with unceasing strokes, which subdued the nations in anger with unrestrained persecution. The whole earth is at rest and it is quiet. They break forth into shouts of joy even the cypress trees rejoice over you and the cedars of Lebanon saying, since you were laid low, no tree cutter comes up against us. Sheol from beneath is excited over you to meet you when you come. It arouses for you spirits of the dead, all the leaders of the earth. It raises the kings of the nations from their thrones. They will all respond and say to you, even you have been made weak as we. You have become like us. Your pomp and the music of your harps have been brought down to Sheol. Sheol is often a picture of the grave or the underworld. Maggots are spread out as your bed beneath you. How's that for a new bedspread? Worms are your covering, new blankie. Now notice this. The immediate context is the king of Babylon and his fall, his demise. But then notice what it says. How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. You've been cut down to the earth, you who weaken the nations. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of, sky, of the sky, or stars of God. 
I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Nevertheless, you will be thrust down to Sheol, to the recesses of the pit on a deeper level. Many theologians think that Satan is being addressed as this, these verses move on. Those who see you will gaze at you. They will ponder over you saying, is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook, note it, kingdoms, who made the world like a wilderness and overthrew its cities, who did not allow his prisoners to go home? All the kings of the nations lie in glory, each in his own tomb. But you have been cast out of your tomb like a rejected branch, clothed with the slain, who are pierced with the sword, who go down to the stones of the pit like a trampled corpse. You will be united with them in burial because you have ruined your country. You have slain your people. May the offspring of evildoers not be mentioned forever. And then it says, prepare for his sons a place of slaughter because of the iniquity of their fathers. They must not arise and take possession of the earth and fill the face of the world with cities. Let's go back to 2 Samuel. The mighty fall. Satan fell. Revelation 12, if you write it down for your notes, talks about Satan's fall. It mentions Satan and his angels who fell. If I asked you, what was the cause of Satan's fall? What would you say it was? Pride. Because pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. But was pride really Saul's problem? It was probably one of his problems. But unbelief was his other problem. And it cost him dearly. David's response to Saul is amazing. One of Abraham Lincoln's earliest political enemies was Edwin M. Stanton. He called Lincoln a low cunning clown. He called Lincoln the original gorilla. He said it was ridiculous for people to go to Africa to see a gorilla when they could find one easily in Springfield, Illinois. Lincoln never responded to his slander. But when as president he needed a secretary of war, he chose Stanton. When his incredulous friends asked why, Lincoln replied, because he is the best man for the job. Years later, as the slain president's body lay in, in a coffin, Stanton looked into the coffin and said through his tears, there lies the greatest ruler of men the world has ever seen. His animosity was finally broken by Lincoln's long-suffering and non-retaliatory spirit. Patient love won out. This was recorded by John MacArthur. That's the stuff of the kingdom. But how hard is that? Imagine if you found out that someone was calling you a gorilla. How about if you saw it on Twitter or Facebook? How would you want to respond to that? Would you be thinking of 17 different angles to respond? Can you imagine if you're running for president and someone was calling you a gorilla? You don't have to go to Africa to see gorillas. Just look at Lincoln. <laughs> and you take the high road? You don't even respond? And when Jesus was being reviled, he did not revile in return. 
Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael. I just want to share my heart for a second. We have a website called walkintruth.com and we've put up a store and we're adding more and more products to it. But one of the reasons I want to get you to that store is that you can partner with us in the ministry. You know, radio airtime costs money and we want to reach more people. If you're being blessed by this ministry, one of the ways that you can partner with us is to go to the website and purchase a product. You can also purchase my book on The Armor of God. I'll get you a signed copy and whatever you give to the ministry will go directly to paying for radio airtime. That's one way you can partner with us. You can help us reach more people like you and you can partner with us in the gospel ministry. It's a great thing. We appreciate you. We love you. Pray for us. We'll keep praying for you. Reach out to us today through the store at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. God bless you. There lies the greatest ruler of men the world has ever seen. His animosity was finally broken by Lincoln's long-suffering and non-retaliatory spirit. Patient love won out. This was recorded by John MacArthur. That's the stuff of the kingdom. But how hard is that? Imagine if you found out that someone was calling you a gorilla. How about if you saw it on Twitter or Facebook? How would you want to respond to that? Would you be thinking of 17 different angles to respond? Can you imagine if you're running for president and someone was calling you a gorilla? You don't have to go to Africa to see gorillas. Just look at Lincoln. <laughs> and you take the high road, you don't even respond. And when Jesus was being reviled, he did not revile in return. When people were mocking him, he cast no threats back. And get this, he had the power at his disposal to fry the landscape. Put yourself there for a second. You're up on a cross, people are walking by. Hey, you! You claim to be the son of God. Maybe spit in your face. You, get yourself off the cross now and we'll believe in you. How many of you would just want to use your x-ray vision just for a moment? <laughs> just one of them, right? <laughs> David, it's a type of Jesus. Some of you say, that's great. Heard that before. Hey, uh, here's a question. Aren't we supposed to be coming more like who again? Oh, Jesus, that's right. We're supposed to be conformed into his image? Wow, is that what the kingdom of God is about? It's being more like him? Yeah. David goes on. Tell it not in Gath. Proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon. These are the major cities of the Philistines. The Philistines were the ones that took down Saul. Lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice. Lest the daughters of the uncircumcised exult. Well, they, they already were. We look at other passages. The Philistines were already rejoicing. They were already celebrating. In fact, they had taken Saul's head and put it in a place to celebrate that their gods were superior. At least that's what they thought over the God of Israel. That wasn't the case, but that's what they were doing. And David said, I, I can't imagine. Don't, don't share this anywhere in those areas because I don't want 
the uncircumcised to be rejoicing over the death of the king of Israel. Remember when David had to take on Goliath. Goliath represents, he was, he was a Philistine, you know, fighter. What does he represent? The world. What did David have to do to defeat Goliath? What was his weapon? Ultimately, you say, well, yeah, he had the cool slingshot, man. Thing was awesome. <laughs> Down goes Goliath. Yeah. But what he was actually fighting with was not the physical weapons per se. He was coming in the power of who? Almighty God. That's how we fight the battle. Not with carnal weapons. Notice 21. O mountains of Gilboa. This is where Saul died. Let not dew or rain be on you. Life shouldn't be going on as normal up there because the king and his son died there. Nor fields of offerings, for there the shield of the mighty was defiled. The shield of Saul, not anointed with oil. Shields were often anointed with oil or they were, they were uh, made wet with water to extinguish fiery arrows if you were in uh, combat, mano a mano, one-on-one, -on -one, and you guys have seen ancient battle scenes, man, <laughs> there's no hiding behind trees pretty much in these ancient battle scenes. You, you go up, you're on the front lines, you got a shield and you got a sword and it's either kill or be killed. They would sometimes oil their shields to get uh, their opponent to deflect off of them or not be able to grab onto them. That was part of the deal. And they also would try to get it to extinguish weapons like fiery arrows that would come at them. But notice, not anointed with oil also speaks that Saul lost something. What did Saul really lose, spiritually speaking? <laughs> it's pretty scary. We, we look at verses about Saul and we know that the Lord, just like in Samson's case, the Lord what? He departed from him. Some of us go, can that happen in the New Testament? <laughs> Is it possible for the Spirit to leave us? No, we're sealed for how long? Till the day of Christ, till the day of redemption. That was then. But Saul lost his anointing. And that's part of what happened here. Saul lost in the battle, but the battle is bigger than just actual war. The battle becomes a picture of the Christian faith and we have a shield of faith by which we can extinguish how many? All the fiery arrows of the wicked one. All of them. Not some of them. What does it say? All of them. That's Ephesians 6.16. There's a really good book out. It's called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It's written by a guy named Pastor Michael Lance if you want to check that out. Bargain price on Amazon. Do you remember uh, when Samson lost everything and finally the Philistines were making sport of him? He played with fire and lost and they, do you remember what happened to Samson? They gouged out his eyes and he was, and basically he had to just serve the Philistines. It was brutal. Yesterday uh, during the USC game, there was a young man that was brought out. Um, he had, he actually had eye cancer when he was a baby. How many of you saw this in the football game? Uh, anyway, he had eye cancer as a baby. I think when he was just a few months old, he lost one of the eyes and lost the other one as a young teenager. 
So he had met Pete Carroll some years ago and he had a dream to be on a football field. He's totally blind. So he is a long snapper. So he actually snapped the ball for an extra point during the USC game yesterday. It was extremely moving. They, they, they had to walk him out, lead him out onto the field. The other team kind of just laid back. The snap was pretty good. Got it to the guy. Extra point was good. This guy's beaming smile was amazing. Something very little, but very profound. How many things we take for granted? Our eyes, our ability to do so many things. From the blood of the slain, 22, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back. The sword of Saul did not, what? Return empty. Now Saul did win some battles, but he fell on the battlefield. We have a sword. It's the, not the sword of Saul. It's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And God says, my word will not come back empty. It will accomplish the purpose that I have for it every single time. You're in battle. You need a shield of faith. You need the sword of the spirit. And by the way, not much else to deal with the wicked one. And you know what he wants to get you to do? Lower your shield, lose your faith, lower your sword, don't know your Bible. And what happens? The mighty men and women fall. Saul and Jonathan, beloved and pleasant in their life. He's, he loved Jonathan, but he's of course celebrating Saul for the good things. In their death, they were not parted. Jonathan could have given up on dad, but he didn't. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. And remember David, the new king, this, he's leading the nation through this grief. O daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you luxuriously in scarlet, who put ornaments of gold on your apparel, positives in Saul's reign. And then again, how the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan, Jonathan was his good buddy, is slain on your high places. High places often were places of pagan worship as well. If you want to look at a few verses on this, just write it down. Leviticus 26.30 and Jeremiah 17, especially verse 3. David says, I'm distressed over you, my brother Jonathan. You have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was more wonderful than the love of women. By the way, uh, David was married to Jonathan's sister. And, I, and I'll just say this. We, ha we have a community right now out there in the world that's trying to say that David and Jonathan were in a same-sex relationship. Sorry. Yeah. <clears throat> Wrong. Nice try. But not that good of a try. David was married to the guy's sister. <laughs> David was not into that lifestyle. But this is how desperate it's getting out there, you guys. What was the relationship between David and Jonathan? This, what does this language mean? They were buddies, friends. They had made a covenant together to, to protect one another's families and one another's honor. How many of you have a good friend today? I hope you do. I hope you have more than one good friend. How many of you really treasure that good friend? It's, it's really amazing to have a good friend. For many of you, your spouse is one of your best friends. That, that should be the way it is. But there's other friends that you have too. Look, David and Jonathan were buddies. 
Jonathan had deferred to David, had really known that David was the up-and-coming king, and he gave him honor. And when David celebrated Jonathan, he had a lump in his throat. He was a good friend, someone who was willing to love him through thick and thin. You got somebody like that in your life? Man, that's, that's special. It's a treasure. I've had some good friends move out of the state of California. They told me it wasn't my fault, but I don't know. I, I'm starting to get a little bit of a complex. Idaho. Idaho. <laughs> Idaho. What's up with Idaho? Are the potatoes that good? Anyway. How have the mighty fallen? The weapons of war perished. Uh, ushers, if you can get ready the communion elements, that would be wonderful. Father, we know the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are spiritual for the demolishing of strongholds. The book of Isaiah says, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We know we're in a battle and there's kingdoms in conflict, Lord, but thank you that there's a kingdom that will prevail. The greater David will sit on David's throne and that kingdom will have no end. No end. And the king will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There will be no more mourning, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more hurricanes, no more cancer. Ah, oh, Lord. Thank you that you're going to make everything right again. And thank you that he who spoke these words is faithful and true. Behold, I make not some, but all things new. Thank you that you started with us in a work in our hearts spiritually, Lord, where you are making us new from one degree of glory to another. You told us to look forward to that coming kingdom and seeing the king face to face by taking elements. We take matzah and juice and we remember a king pierced for us, wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Lord God, thank you for such a king as this. It's an amazing gift, this king of glory who came down to save us. Lord, as we reflect on the king and the kingdom that we belong to, we just want to give thanks, refresh our faith, renew our joy, give us the perspective of this kingdom and this king, change us more into the king's image until we meet him face to face. Hey folks, I'm excited to tell you about another way that you can connect with Walk in Truth. Download the Radio Scribe app and search for Walk in Truth. There you'll find a lot of cool resources. You'll be able to listen to messages. You can access devotionals and you can partner with Walk in Truth and help us reach more people. Download the Radio Scribe app, search for Walk in Truth and find a lot of cool resources there. I know it'll be a blessing to you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.